here's the message for today. God knew full well when he gave you himself that we were going to mess it up. He knew that. He gave it to us on purpose knowing we were going to mess up. Because as we mess up, he shows himself stronger. You see, Christianity is not something I do. It's something that got done to me. Uh, the Lord revealed himself to me and I trusted and believed in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ made me a child of his own. And once he made me a child of his own, he knew who I was. And he knew that I was going to mess it up. But he also knew that as we continue to live these messed up lives in his name and for his purpose, he's the one who gets the glory. Because people look around and they say, John Latimer is just a crazy guy. But he said, but they say, you know what? Jesus shows up every now and when he's here. And so Jesus moves and works in spite of us. And that's exactly, in fact, he wants it that way. The, the, the uglier I look, the prettier he looks. Does that make sense? Uh, and so let's read this thing together, starting here in chapter 4, verse 6. For God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. That's Jesus. Uh, and hath shined in our hearts. He turned us from darkness, from despair, from disappointment, di disgrace. He turned us in to light. He turned us into children of light through that uh, 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 spiritual uh, dynamic that his and his alone. And so he let this light uh, shine in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of, the, uh, of God into the face of Jesus. Now listen, he gave us Jesus, and it's the light, it's his glorious light in us, but we have put this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, it's a simple picture that they're very familiar with. It was talking about the oil lamp. Now, when I first got to Israel years and years ago, and I saw an oil lamp, I thought it was a toy because the whole thing fits in the palm of my hand. It's just a little round uh, clay container uh, with a little pinch on it, a little point on it. You pour oil in it, lay a wick in it, and that's the light. And they are, they are made for anywhere from fancy. I've seen some really fancy ones that were engraved and, and different things. For I've also seen some that were so simple. Some are just absolutely round. And somebody, the potter just took his thumb and pinched it just a little. And there on the pinch is where the, the uh, wick lies, and that's the lamp. And it burns on the outside of the lamp, not the inside of the lamp, and the oil feeds it. Well, when God gave us this amazing light that we have as believers in Jesus Christ and the revelation that he's given us for new life, he took his glorious light and stuck it in a clay vessel. Stuck it in a, a, a handmade, cheap vessel. Now they knew exactly what he was talking about. 
because we have this glorious light put in a clay vessel. And they were very used to this. They, they, every, in every uh, cave, in every tunnel, in every place you go that was uh, uh, 2,000 years ago, there are little niches in the walls. And at first I didn't know what they were. They were just little hollowed out places in the wall with a flat. That's where the lamp sat. And so you're in this cave and the best you got is something that's no bigger, no more light than a candle. But it's put up in this little niche. But if you get them up above your head and get about three or four of them in a, in a 12 by 12 room, you got enough light to keep them running over each other. And that sure beats dark. We don't think very much of a candlelight uh, in, in, the, in the darkness if we had to live that way. But uh, light sure beats darkness any day. And so they had light. And so this light was in a clay vessel. What happened if the vessel got knocked off? Did it go out? Oh no. It burned like crazy. Because the oil had been exposed then to the dirt, the grass, the, the whatever. And all of a sudden the fire magnified itself when the vessel was broken. So God knew what he was doing. He put the light in us so that as we are broken, the light is greater because the light is able to save, Jesus is able to save a nut like me, a fool like me, okay? And people look around and they say, that ain't John Latimer, that's God. Only God could do that. Only God can live and, and get glory and magnification out of the broken vessel but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power that's God may be of God and not of us and Paul says we're troubled on every side yet we're not distressed we know who wins we're perplexed but we're not in despair we're persecuted, that is somebody's on our case, but we're not forsaken. We're not by ourselves in this, God's there. And we're cast down, I mean literally beat in the ground, but we're not destroyed. And Paul says always, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus may be manifest in our body for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus sake and that life and that the life also of Jesus might be mani manifested in our mortal flesh death works in us but life in you those that see what God has done now we all gonna die we just steady on marching that way every day. Steady on marching that way every day. But we don't die in vain. We don't die empty. Because we die as we burn our lives out for Christ. We're supposed to literally wear out, burn ourselves out for Christ. 
It doesn't diminish the light. It diminishes the vessel. But it doesn't diminish the light. Now, I need to say something to you. Everyone in here who is a believer in Jesus Christ will face difficulty. You're going to face difficulty whether you believe in Jesus or not. But you're going to face difficulty. And when you face difficulty, there is a purpose in that difficulty. And that is that Jesus end up getting the glory out of whatever you're going through. You understand? So as we're broken, as we're slapped, as we're kicked, as we're beaten around, just by life in general, I'm not talking about the Romans persecuting us. I'm not talking about the exact same thing Paul was going through, but neither is Paul. We get over here in a minute in chapter 11, and he just said, Hey, man, uh, I spend nights without sleep. I spend days without water, days without food. You reckon God knew all of that? Why didn't he give Paul plenty of water? Why didn't he give Paul plenty to eat? Why did Paul have to spend sleepless nights? Because it was in his weakness that Jesus shows up the strongest. It's when Jesus comes out and picks up the pieces and rebuilds this old piece of life that's been broken and beat around. That's when God gets the most glory. Okay? He gets glory in the very fact that those of us he's invested the gospel in, we're not the message. He's the message. He's the message. And he's done it in such a way that there's no way. I mean, he made us. He knows us. He knows in every one of us there's weakness. But that's okay. Because in our weakness, he's made strong. So... Let's go over to the 11th chapter uh, of the same book, 2 Corinthians 11. And Paul gets into some detail about it. Now what had happened is at the church at Corinth, which Paul had founded, and he left because he was a missionary. He was not a pastor. Uh, he was a missionary. And so when a missionary establishes a church, and appoints leadership, does he stay at that church? He goes on. His mission is to start other churches and uh, to, to win other people to Jesus Christ. And so, but what had happened in Corinth is that some bogus preachers came in. Well, you wouldn't have thought there'd have been any bogus preachers, would you? That's the hardest part about being in the ministries, trying not to kill all those bogus preachers. Every time I read about one doing something crazy, I want to go kill him. Get that dude. That, that dude takes away. No, he doesn't. Uh, that, that dude proves himself to be human. And it hadn't affected heaven one inch. Heaven's still on the throne. Okay? And there can be as many bogus preachers as you want in the whole world. doesn't matter. God's on the throne. And he'll, he'll do the reckoning. He's the one that does the reckoning. Okay, so anyway, these bogus preachers had showed up at Corinth and basically they told them that Paul uh, was not a good leader. He was not a good spiritual leader. And that they, because of their credentials, whatever they were, made that they were higher than Paul, better than Paul, and that they were 
uh, superior in spiritual gifts to Paul. And they didn't need to pay any more attention to Paul. They needed to write Paul off and they needed to pay attention to what they said. Now let's take up an offering. Paul never took up an offering. At one time in Corinth did he live off the people. He never lived off. He lived off, he lived off the church at Macedonia. They paid him to be a missionary. But he didn't take anything from the Corinthians. And so these other guys had come by as charlatans to put Paul down and to raise up themselves. And so Paul writes in verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above... No, 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 I went too far. I mean 12. Go back to 11. 11, uh, 23. Excuse me. Uh, and he says, Are they ministers of Christ? He said, I speak as a fool. I am more... And he said, this is embarrassing because I don't want to tell you, I don't want to have to brag on myself. That's crazy to, to have to brag on myself. He said, so it makes me look like I'm a fool. He said, I am more in labors more abundantly. You remember he made tents to, to feed himself during his time in Corinth. He said, I, I labored more abundantly in stripes above measures. That is, he's getting beaten. He said, in prisons, more frequent. In deaths, often. I was in danger of death. One time it took, it took he, he died and went to the third heaven and came back. Now, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes minus one. That's 200 stripes minus what? Huh? Five is... is uh, 195 stripes with a cat of nine tails. Most people don't live through that. But he, he took that for Jesus' sake. Uh, and he said, uh, and with rods, uh, three times I was beaten with rods. That's big, big sticks. Once I was stoned. Uh, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. In journeyings often. And it's it's hard job for us now to get up and go to Israel. But think about moving from Israel uh, to Europe on foot or in a raggedy ship that was about to fall apart. And he says, in journeys often, in perils of the water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, his own people had turned against him, in perils by the heathen, heathen in perils in the city, and in perils in the wilderness, and in perils in the sea, and perils, oh, who believe this, among false brethren. Would you believe there was conflict in the church? I mean, from day one. <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't like church fighting is something new. It's been going on since the time of the beginning. And, and, all, and I say all of this to say to you, that Jesus was still working in spite of all that mess. Sometimes we think God's going to quit working because uh, we did this, didn't do it. God ain't never going to quit working when God gets ready to work. You understand? In fact, uh, one day he'll give revival, but it's going to be the brokenest bunch of folks you ever laid eyes on, on get revived. Because those of us that don't need revival ain't going to get revival. 
How many don't need revival? Where's your hand? Oh, I must have missed that. We all do. We all do. Okay? So when he gets ready to do something big, he's going to do it with a broken bunch of folks. And so he goes on to say that in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, uh, being staying awake for alert, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and in nakedness. Now, not all of that, now listen to me, not all of that was at the hands of the Romans. A lot of that was just day-to-day living. He started out on a missionary journey, and a robber stole all his clothes. What's he going to do? Go to Kmart and buy some more? Oh, they're closed, aren't they? Um, they weren't never open in that day. He couldn't, he had to wait till he found some place to get some clothes. And naked preacher. <laughs> naked. But anyway, he, that had nothing to do with persecution of the Romans. That had to do with everyday life. Everyday life. But for a Christian, troubles in everyday life are different than troubles for the heathen. A heathen will just give it a cussing and go on. I have to say, Lord, it's your will. Help me be obedient and loving in this time of need. Help me accept the suffering. Help me accept the uh, the neglect, help me. Ex- In other words, every time uh, you meet me, I need to have my hair combed, my tooth brushed, and I need to say, God's good. Now, it may not be good right this minute for me, but is God good? God's good. You understand? So what are you going to, when, when troubles come, what are you going to magnify? Your troubles are the grace and glory of God. And these people are looking around and say, that guy's stupid. He ain't got enough groceries to eat, and he's praising God. He ain't got any gasoline to go to work tomorrow, but he's praising God. His marriage is about to fall apart, but he's praising God. He can't hardly deal with the pressures and the stresses and all that stuff going on in his life. He's about sunk, but he's praising God. And I'm not talking about a false praise. I'm not talking about a false praise. I, I like to go in a store and ask people, how you doing? Well, I guess I'm doing okay. I said, well, you better figure it out. You ain't going to get this day back. This is it. This is your day. So whatever you do with it, if you hadn't figured it out by nighttime, it's just a day went by. Okay? All of them are Jesus' days. Every one of them is the Lord's day. Every one of them that I live in. And it's not always joyful and pleasant. And it's not always fun to live as a Christian. Well, it's not fun to live without Christ either. Life's just pure out hard. Money doesn't make it better. It just lets you sin with a little more style. I mean, I mean... Yeah, you can eat at Ruth Crest every night. That's great. Still going to be hungry the next night. 
You understand? That, that you'll never, ever, ever cease the need of being dependent on God. You might say that couple of hundred bucks down at Ruth Chris is what I'm trusting. All right, go ahead. But God raised the cow and got there. And the little person serving you is going through all these same troubles. And you acting like ugly to them. No, we don't do that. We're believers in the Lord Christ. And then he said, and here's the big one. Now, he says, besides all these things that are without, there's that which comes upon me daily, the care of the churches. Paul was worried sick that false preachers would come into those churches and ruin them and destroy them because he was not able to do FaceTime with them. He was not able to keep up with them on a day-to-day -day basis and others on purpose. In fact, one time Paul was in jail and because he was in jail, some other preachers had come in and they were preaching like <laughs> he got what he deserved. Now let me tell you how to live for Jesus. You know what he said from his jail cell? He said, I don't care whether they're preaching because I'm in jail and they're glad or they're preaching because God's in it. As long as Jesus is being preached, I'm happy. As long as Jesus is being preached, I can live with it. Even the motive of some of the guys coming in behind him wasn't pure. But if they preached the word, what was God going to do with the word? He was going to use the word. And so uh, we move over now to the 12th chapter and verse 7. Now as we read all that, we realize Paul has experienced death and he's gone to the third heaven. Okay, and he saw stuff there that he couldn't find a language to describe. It's kind of a dirty trick. Wouldn't you like to go see heaven? That'd be cool. Problem is, you get back, you can't tell anybody about it because it's so fabulous, there are no words to describe it. <laughs> and so, but you, you can read later when Paul was in prison th thinking he's going to get killed, he said, for me to die is gain. He said to go and be with Christ is far better. He couldn't describe it, but buddy, he knew what was up there. You understand? And he was waiting to get there. He was excited to go be there. So anyway, after this revelation, he said, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of these revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be Exalted above measure. You do not want to be a prideful person. God will help adjust that for you. Okay? It would be a lot simpler to make that adjustment yourself than to, let that, than to let God make that adjustment for you. Okay? So he, so he said uh, that... Uh, uh, I have this. I have this messenger to buffet me. This this satanic thing, whatever it is. And for this thing, I besought the Lord three times that He might depart it from me. And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, quit complaining. I've got it. He said, My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, 
will I rather glorify in my infirmities than the power of Christ, that the power of Christ may rest on me. You can see, when I'm weak, he's strong. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities and in reproaches and in necessities. Sometimes he didn't even have necessities. In persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake, for I'm weak, then I am strong. There are four points I want to leave you with. And they're these. Bruises. Bruises mean you showed up to the fight. If you're going to be involved in spiritual warfare, you think you might get a bruise every now and then. You think you might get a slash or cut, knocked in the head. Absolutely. Absolutely. Living for Jesus in this world, living in this world without Jesus, you're going to get knocked in the head. But in Christ, these bruises mean you chose not to run, but to stand up to the fight. Their marriages, their marriages, quite frankly, that are washed up, have been washed up. But people quit, they keep trying, and they keep trying, and they keep trying, and they stay in there for Christ's sake. I've seen God heal some of those marriages. I've watched God heal those marriages. I've watched God strengthen those homes simply because one or the other says, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to throw in the towel. If I've got to live miserable from now on, I'll live miserable, but I will not throw in the towel. I'm married in the, in the eyes of God. I'm going to stay married. In, and you know what? You take that attitude and God starts adjusting everybody. He starts adjusting everybody. I watched a couple one time and, oh, they didn't even like each other at all. And I love lawyers. No, not really. But uh, <laughs> their lawyers told them not to move apart, that the other lawyer could use that as abandonment. So now there are two people in one house who don't even like each other at all. Okay? But I watched as God changed one. And then it wasn't long before the Holy Spirit moved and the other one came around. And they went to a class at Bellevue entitled... uh, uh, separated but not what is that what's the word separated but not uh, split completely or whatever is a term for it and they went to that class and they've been healed and they've got a beautiful marriage and God's working fantastically in that home but there were two Christian people that just would not give up because God was the one that they got married before. And so, man, I don't like this woman, God, you gave me. She deceived me. She was one person before we got married, and we got married, and now she's another person. Of course, she's saying the same thing. That liar told me he's going to get me this, get me that. He ain't got nothing but a heartache. Now, now then, you're ready for God to do something. Your marriage is just now ready for God to do something. 
You hang in there and God will start doing it. And so uh, in weakness, I, I, and he said, uh, uh, lest I be exalted above all these measures. For this thing was brought, I prayed the Lord three times to take away, and he didn't. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee, but my strength is made perfect. Now, the bruises mean we're in the fight. Scars. Scars mean we care. How'd you get a scar? Why does it hurt so long? Why is it so deep? Huh? Because you cared. You cared. Well, are people going to fail you? Absolutely. Are, are churches going to fail you? Absolutely. Communities are going to fail you? Sooner or later, everybody or everything will let you down. When I work for the funeral home, I'll be the last friend that lets you down. Okay, cold humor. <laughs> but everybody's going to let you down except Jesus. And when you get to the bottom, what do you do then? You look up, and he starts working. He works um, um, amazingly well. Let me, let me tell you something else. Every dime we have is God's. Every dime is God's. So your kids are going to ask you, well, why don't we do this? Why can't we, these other families have, why can't we have this? Well, we have money that we have to retire. We get to tithe. We get to celebrate God. We get to support the kingdom's work. Why? Kid looks at you and says, why? You better be able to answer that. Because he's king of kings and lord of lords. And I refuse to live my life without putting him first. Without putting him first. And so, uh, worldly goods is not our goal. Worldly goods is not our goal. Is it necessary to have some worldly goods? Yep, it's necessary. But when worldly goods becomes our focus point, then we've lost the whole meaning. God gave us what we have to be a blessing to others. It's that simple. God gave us what we have. Have a nice car, use it to, to love people and carry people and share people. Um, uh, Juanita. Your bad back, you still hauling cancer people. Had to got out of that for a while. Nobody knew what, what Juanita was doing, said, now I'm telling it so, but I may be stealing her blessing. But she didn't tell me for years. But two or three times a week, she picked up cancer patients. She was working with West Clinic or other clinics. Okay, American Cancer Society. If people needed a ride for treatment, she carried them. She, I don't care if she has a Cadillac mobile. As long as she uses that thing for Jesus, God's going to get glory out of it. And that's, what, that's exactly what he's doing. Uh, Phyllis, how many different people lived at your house? I mean, that's why I am, uh, you know, it's just plumb full. You know, I like having an older daughter living at home. Because I go to bed about 9 o'clock. I'll say, Carol, it's yours. And I go lay down. 
if she don't lock up, I guess she'd be the first one hurt. But, but I don't have to be the full-time adult anymore. Okay? We rented one. She comes over and lives, and, and it works. I mean, it works. There are times I'm saying, man, I'm glad I ain't got to be the full-time adult all the time. And there are other times I say, God, I wish I was just here by myself. But worldly goods aren't our goal. The goal is using worldly goods for Christ's sake. Is it okay to have stuff? Man, I hope you have more than anybody in the world ever has. But use it to God's glory. It's a place to be used. And, and I'm going to tell you something. God can change the amount of money you make. He can change your job situation if you change your focus of what you intend to do with it. Okay? If you intend to make money to spend it on yourself, God's not involved in that. He just lets you go at it. But if you want to make money to share it and use for others, He's going to get up in that. God's going to get all up in that. Okay? And you know, there's a you know what a pipeline is? As long as it keeps running out the other end, the pipeline stays full. Okay? When you turn off the spigot, the pipeline gets empty or stale. Okay? God knows what you need and God knows what the other guy needs and he's going to pass some of it through your hands to them. And the last thing, you know, your family's in this with you. Your family's in this with you. And what you need to teach your family is why. Why do we choose not to get involved in neighborhood fights? Why do we choose to come up here on the Saturday week, on the third Saturday of the month and feed people? Why do we do that? You tell your children, bring your children. They love to get stepped on, but it's all right. They're learning stuff. They're learning the, the mercy and the goodness of God to give away. I think it's an excellent idea. And uh, so what I'm saying is you're not in this ride by yourself. When God allowed me uh, 38 years ago to start this church, I had one month of money. I ain't got that much now, but I had one month, I had one month of money. <laughs> and in a month... God had to start a church, I had to get a real job. At the second month, Christ Church wrote me a paycheck. He started a church and did it in 60 days. Is that crazy or what? 60 days. Somebody said, well, what happens? What happened if he didn't do it? I'd be selling cars. I'd join the rest of my crew. and I'd had to make a living. I was willing to take that chance because I thought God was in it. But you understand when you make that decision, you carry your wife, you carry your children into that same decision, whether they like it or don't like it. And I had a pastor friend, a young man getting started in ministry, I asked him about taking a particular congregation. The congregation needed a preacher. And he said, I don't think that's a good fit for my family. 
And I said, and neither will the next place be either. If your family determines where you're going to serve, God determines that. And when God determines that, he takes care of you and those with you. He takes care of you and those with you. What Marcus preached about last week was being brought down pretty low. Uh, that's not bad. Being brought down low is not bad. Okay? It's not bad at all. It's good. It's good. Because it's out of that low brokenness that God can restore you and build you up and make something precious out of you. What do you think about that, Rob? What do you think? Is that a good idea? Mark, uh, Mark got beat down low. Bad low. And Jesus, there was price to pay. But Jesus healed my brother. And he lives now to just praise him. Amen. And I could go through the whole room. God has done so many marvelous things for so many people. But most of it absolutely came out of brokenness. It came out of brokenness. And until we're really ready to let God be all God, total God, we're not ready for the blessing. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for these few minutes we've had together. We look, you know, we often say, boy, I wish I lived in Bible days. Well, what I read about Paul, that wasn't very good. That's kind of painful. And uh, yet, nobody wrote as many books of the Bible and brought Christianity to the Europeans more than the Apostle Paul. So, Lord, we... We can look back now and we say, yes, he was being beat to death. But as he was being beat to death, life was issuing from the Spirit to those around. God, would you use us? I ask in your name. Amen. Now our guys are going to come and play and sing. I'm going to be down here at the front. And if Holy Spirit wants you to come and pray with me.